0: let's pray. Um, Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is indeed risen and that by the power of your spirit you did get him up out of the grave. Uh, Having been dead and being uh, dead because of our sin, um, you raised him to life and you've given us hope. And we just pray, Father, you help us to see that tonight. Uh, Father, with those of us who feel doubtful over why this day is even um, to be celebrated, Father, that you would reveal the truth of your word to us. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Uh, I want to start off, I want to show you a clip of a movie in a second. But, uh, but firstly, I want to give you a bit of a, a context for this. Okay? This is a clip from a movie called Amazing Grace. And before you play it, Drew, I want to tell you this. There's two characters in this scene and this is based on a, on a real story. Uh, the man who's dying in the bed, uh, he's William Pitt, uh, the younger, who is Prime Minister of England. And he was Prime Minister of England in the time, or Great Britain, in the time that um, that, uh, William Wilberforce, as what this movie is really about, was trying to see the abolition of uh, the slave trade uh, in the United Kingdom and beyond. And uh, at this point, these two men are great friends. Uh, They've been fighting for the end of the slave trade. Uh, Well, William Wilberforce has been doing it for many years. And William Pitt, uh, the Prime Minister, is about to die. And uh, this is the scene. Have a look. No, no doubt as those um, two men, they'd worked really closely together for many years, and and William Pitt, he, he's dying on his bed, and and no doubt that he'd seen William Wilberforce for many years. He'd had this strong faith in the Lord Jesus and a and a hope beyond the grave because of that. And it's amazing that he, he reaches out in his death and he and he grabs William Wilberforce's hand and he says. What does he say? I wish I had uh, your faith. Um, can you relate to that? Uh, many, many people can. They, they get to that point. And many, I, I know that when it comes to Easter Sunday, many people would love to be able to say, I'm so thankful and I'm so excited that Jesus has risen from the dead. And I, I wish I believed that was true. But, do you, but to be honest, I've, I've got my doubts. I've got my doubts that I, you, you'd be the person saying, I wish I had your faith, Wilbur, because I don't know that... Well, I don't know that Jesus was risen on, on the first Easter Sunday. I don't know. And I don't know about you. Do, do you feel that way? Um, it's true in the world today, isn't it? It's that it's become a trendy thing to doubt, um, especially the claims of Christianity, right? It's become trendy to do all sorts of things. It's trendy to wear skinny jeans. Uh, apparently, it's trendy to make Harlem Shake videos. Right and to paste them, paste them, sort of place them on YouTube. Um, it's become trendy to doubt uh, the truths of Christianity. To be sceptical to seem to be sort of pretty brave and pretty authentic. And you know, if, if when you doubt something, you put off this sort of knowing aloofness. You know, I, I'm at least I'm not as gullible as well all, all of them. And, but before you have a go at someone like that, I'm actually not having a go at those that have doubts. I think it's fantastic to have doubts actually because don't you think that honest doubt about whether this day actually happened is, is better than some of the deliberate naivety of the modern church, right? Sometimes, you know, when you ask someone, why is it that you believe in Jesus? And they'll say, I, I, I don't know, I do, but I'm just not so sure. I don't know why. And that is in heaps helpful for those who have questions, who have doubts. So I was at at the pub the other night on Thursday night. On Thursday night we had this uh, dinner where uh, lots of people from church invited their mates to come along and answer all sorts of different questions about Christianity. And what I worked out as people were asking their questions about Jesus and about stuff like this is that people don't want intellectual shortcuts and they don't want quick answers that can easily be... Well, knock down when you look at things carefully, right? Do you know that there are really, really good reasons to doubt Christianity? But there are even better reasons, there's even better evidence uh, that it's true. Because you know what happens when doubt comes and some of you may doubt and you may be sitting here and you've always doubted, you've never believed. And what happens when doubt comes is you think, actually I think there may be an alternative explanation to the world than the one... The Bible gives. There there may be a different explanation to all of this than Jesus. And maybe he didn't come up out of the grave. Maybe there's another reason why I'm here. Uh, You ever wondered that? And that's okay. Doubt is okay. Doubt's okay, but it depends on what you do with it. You see, come over to John chapter 20. See, we've got uh, Thomas there. That's the passage that we're looking at. And you, you think about it. What is it that Thomas... Did with his doubt about the resurrection. Now we don't know lots about Thomas. We don't know very many things about him. We know he was an apostle. Uh, many people have called him Doubting Thomas uh, because of this passage. Uh, we don't actually know whether you know Thomas was a naturally skeptical sort of bloke, and that's why he doubted, or maybe he was just really upset that his master Jesus had been crucified but either way, at this point, he doesn't have the spiritual insight to understand Jesus at all. What Jesus has said so far about himself in Thomas's life doesn't make sense to the world as Thomas knows it. Maybe Thomas would have said something like this, dead people don't rise from the dead. They just don't, do they? And uh, in what turns out to be terrible timing, right? Maybe Thomas has gone off to do the shopping or something, right? <laughs> Talk about bad timing. He's not there when Jesus first appears to the disciples. Can you believe that? So let me set the scene for you. Because what happens before this, 48 hours before, Jesus had breathed his last breath. He'd been crucified on a cross by the Romans. Uh, they'd killed him. He died for our sins there. Uh, they'd whipped him. They'd beaten him. They'd laughed at him. They'd spat on him. They'd cast lots for his clothing. He was naked as he died there on the cross. They shoved a spear in his side to make sure that he was dead. In fact, they came along as he was dying and they went to break his legs. Now, the reason why they went to break his legs is because when you're being crucified, apparently the way you would breathe is you would push up from your legs so you could get air into your lungs. And they came along to break Jesus' legs, but he'd already died. He'd breathed his last, 48 hours before. And a, and, a, and a fan of his, his name is Joseph of Arimathea, other parts of the Bible tell us, he, he said, can I have Jesus' body? Because he loved him. So he got Jesus' body down off the cross. He wrapped him in burial spices and some linen. And he, um, he then took him to a grave that he'd purchased. So we'd know where this, he would have known where this grave was. The people in the town would have known exactly where the tomb was. Joseph of Arimathea takes him there. And it's now 48 hours later... And the disciples, where are they? Well, they're huddled together in a room. (laughs) Why? Because they're petrified. They thought the Jews were going to do the same thing to them as they'd done to Jesus. And so they're huddled together. The doors are locked. And what happens? Thomas isn't there. Look at verse 19. This is what it says. Have a look at verse 19 of John 20. Then Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, Peace to you, (laughs) And there would have been anything but peace in the room, don't you think? And having, look, at, look what it says next. Having said that, he showed them his hands and his side so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I mean, Jesus showed them all the evidence that they needed to see. They saw that he had hands in his, holes in his hands where he'd been nailed to the cross. He showed them the side where the spear had gone in, the way they tried to finish him off. And what did they do? They rejoiced. I mean, they couldn't hide it. Could you imagine what it would have been like? Imagine being one of the disciples. What do you think it would have been like? I can't believe it's him. I mean, I know he'd said he was going to rise, but here he is. Can you believe it? And they'd be sort of pinching each other. Can you you believe this? And then at that point, there would have been pandemonium in the room, not just rejoicing. But at that point, Jesus leaves. And Thomas, he wasn't even there. Now, at this point, Thomas, he's either a sceptic who doesn't believe dead people just don't come back from the dead, do they? Or maybe he was just so upset that Jesus had died, he couldn't deal with it. But look at, look at his reaction to the story. Look at verse 24. It says, But one of the twelve, Thomas, called Twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. But then he said to them, Look, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Do you ever think, do you think he thought that that was going to happen? <laughs> do you think he thought, tell me, which one of you here would be willing to put your hand into the open wound of someone who'd been stabbed with a spear? Any, anyone up for that? Okay, all you doctors and nurses, you might be up for that. Or just widows, right? But... You're not going to do that, are you? If someone's got an open wound, you're not going to put your hand in there. I don't think Thomas thought this was going to happen. So he thought, look, I'll put my hand in his side. No, not a problem. And you see, this is the thing. He, he'd already decided that Jesus couldn't be risen. And it was easier for him to think that his friends, that he loved very much and that had always told him the truth, and even Jesus himself, that they were lying, that they were deluded, that they were misinformed, that they were naive, they were wrong. Are, are, you, are you tempted to doubt like that? When someone presents evidence, you just think that it's impossible, there's no way that could happen, even though the evidence is there? Because we've got to remember that Thomas, he wasn't like an ancient Richard Dawkins, yeah? I mean, he'd seen Jesus' miracles, he'd seen Jesus' teaching, he'd. He'd listened to it. He'd even been prepared to die for Jesus and yet he can't see. He offers to put his hand in Jesus' side because I think he doesn't think it's going to happen. See, lots of people, when they think about Thomas, someone said to me this the other day, I reckon Thomas, he's the ultimate empiricist. What does that mean? What they meant was he's the ultimate evidence guy. He's the ultimate, you show me it's true with hard physical evidence And I'll definitely believe it. I don't think he's that at all. I reckon Thomas is a rationalist. In his mind, in his reasoning, he's already said, he already knows this is not going to happen. Dead people don't come back from the dead. He couldn't possibly see it. See, it's crazy to not have an open mind like that. I'll tell you why. You you tell me. I'll give you an example. You you tell me. What colour are swans? Someone call out. Hang on, can you guys decide? What, what colour are they? Black and white. Black and white. Now, Trevor, now someone tell me, wh- ha- now d- why do you think that crazy thought that swans are black and white? There because there is. <laughs> so people have seen white swans and people have seen black swans, yeah? Well, until 1697, people would have thought, unless you're in a very small part of the world, that you were absolutely crazy. Up till 1697, every swan that had ever been seen, that had ever been painted, that had ever been written about was white. Every swan was white. Until a Dutch explorer happened to stumble on this place called Western Australia. right? And he saw that over there, there were black swans. Now, of course, Aboriginal people had seen black swans for tens of thousands of years. But a Dutch explorer discovered a black swan. And you know, apparently, I don't know if this is a myth or true, he, he went back and he told people, I've seen a black swan, and they said, it can't be a swan because all swans are white. There's no such thing as a black swan. And Western Australians, because they're so parochial, they've now made the emblem of their state, a black swan. See, that's the thing. Just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean that it's not true, Yeah. Just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean it's not true. And do you think that that happens? Do you think the theories that we make up about life, they actually filter the things that we see and what we decide to be real? I mean, we don't really realise this, but um, there's a guy named um, David Hume. And much of the reason why our modern society is really sceptical about miracles and really sceptical about the resurrection of Jesus is because of the work of men like this. Now, don't criticise him because he's funny hair. They all had hair like that. But his principle was this. He said this. He's a philosopher. He says the laws of nature are never broken. Now that sounds fair enough. Does does someone have a pen? Can you drop it, Tara? Okay. Now, how many times would Tara be able to do that? Would it drop every single time? Yeah, of course it would. Tara, can you do that again? Okay. Tara, can you do that again? You could keep going all night if you like because the laws of nature, according to Hume, are never broken. that That's what he meant. He means, you know, and that sounds okay. But he famously ruled out the possibility of any miracles or the resurrection because it would break the laws of nature. Dead people do not come back from the dead. Right? People born blind cannot be healed by someone who claims to be God because that would break the laws of nature. And the laws of nature had never broken. And what can happen is is we can decide in advance what we think is the truth. And then we use that to filter all the information we get. So for example, you know that there is unbelievably good evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Not just inside the Bible, outside the Bible, Roman historian like Tacitus who wrote in Jesus day, Josephus, the Jewish historian who wrote in Jesus day, they both even though not Christians, said that Jesus lived and that Jesus died, and that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. None of his contemporary historians uh, denied the fact that this happened. But this is the thing. With someone like David Hume, he decided that even if someone could present him with really good evidence, he wouldn't believe that it was possible because that would break the laws of nature. He'd been a doubting sceptic, which is good, but he'd taken it too far. I'll tell you you others who have sort of follow who... who see David Hume as their hero. Uh, these two men, uh, Richard Dawkins and uh, Sam Harris. right? I, I think that line of thinking underlies their work and I'll tell you why I'm telling you this in a minute. See, under the authority of science, they'll say stuff like this. And by the way, science is fantastic, don't you think? Isn't science the way that we observe the world and we see patterns within the world and we make discoveries? Science is terrific. But when these two men, following David Hume dip their toes in sort of the philosophical and theological waters. They just start depending on their theories. And it's not science anymore. These two men, when they speak and write books, they know that scientifically they can't rule out miracles. They know that scientifically you can't rule out the resurrection. And they know scientifically you can't rule out the existence of God. You just can't. They just don't like Jesus. And they don't like Christianity. And they can't disprove Jesus at all. And they know that. But they'll keep trying to trick you though. Because you see, the thing is, Christianity is not a philosophy and it's not a theory. It's an historical faith. That's what it is. Um, I'll tell you what made me smile this morning. Uh, you know how often I, I, I get my phone. You know how last week I called Facebook fake book? I'm sorry about for those who love Facebook. I love Facebook, and if you misunderstood what I was saying, but i tell you what was really encouraging about Facebook this morning. I got up this morning. It was early. It was Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is risen. And every two minutes, someone was posting, he's risen. He's risen indeed. Verses from the Bible about how Jesus is alive. And did, that put a, did some of you see that sort of stuff? Did it put a smile on your face? Do you know the only reason why it should put a smile on our face is if it's true. Because if it's not true, the hope of the resurrection is, well, it's nothing. Christianity is a historical faith. The only reason I was encouraged as I flicked through my feed this morning is because 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth came up out of the grave. That's why I smiled this morning. Because it's not encouraging if it didn't happen. Because the Gospel writers, when they write this book. They're encouraging us not to believe a philosophy or a theory. They're actually asking us to go into the courtroom and to listen to the eyewitnesses and for us to decide whether the eyewitness testimony that's recorded here, whether it's actually true. That's what we've got to decide. That's what they're wanting us to do. And at this point, Thomas's theories that he'd made up are about to be exploded by meeting the risen Lord Jesus. Look at Look at verse 26 with me of John 20. After eight days, Jesus' disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. So it had been eight days. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and again he said, Peace to you. Imagine that. But then verse 27, then Jesus looks at Thomas, knowing what he needs, and he says this. He says, Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever. Be a believer, Thomas. And at this point, Thomas's theoretical world collapses. What would he might have been saying in his head? Dead people don't come back from the dead. Dead people don't come back from the dead. That theory collapses. Why? Because the reality is right in front of him. And his gut tells him to react in this way. What is it? How does he react? He responds maybe on his knees. He says, my Lord and my God. Why does he say that? Well, the time for theories is gone because the reality is right in front of him. But the thing that Jesus says next is actually for us. It's about actually how anyone would become a Christian because we, were, uh, we weren't there, were we? Were any of you there? If you think you were there, that's a problem. (laughs) We can talk about that later. None of us were there. And so what is it to be a Christian? Christian believing is this. Christian believing is believing the testimony of those who actually saw the events. That's what it means to be a Christian. Believe the testimony of those who were there. Have a look at verse 29 of John 20. Jesus said to his disciples, "'Because you have seen me physically, you have believed.'" But those who believe without seeing are blessed. And so why did John write this book? Look at verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs, many other miracles like the resurrection in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written, these ones that we've got, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Isn't it crazy, don't you think, that the sceptic Thomas has actually become a key chain in us believing that Jesus rose from the dead. Can you believe that? He was an eyewitness. He saw it. He didn't think it was possible. But he saw it, and then guess what John did? He wrote it down. And then John wrote it down and recorded it for us so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we may have life in his name. Because Jesus came up out of the grave... Our life will not end in death if we trust in him. It will continue beyond death. We can have life in his name. We believe John's testimony of what Thomas saw on that day. Isn't that crazy? The crazy skeptic Thomas has become one of the keys to us believing in Christ. Now, does that mean that you can have no doubts? I don't think so. I think you can have small doubt that exists alongside faith without destroying it. Why is that? Because as someone said to me the other day, I haven't seen Jesus, I haven't touched him. You can't prove Christianity like you can prove a mathematical formula. It's just not like that. But there is excellent evidence that Jesus is alive. And on that last day, it will be shown to be true. Now, what I want to say this is this. Doubting is hip, right? It's cool to doubt, don't you think? This is the next heading. But believing is blessed because it gives us hope. Now, I'll tell you why this is the case, right? The reason why believing in Jesus' resurrection gives us hope, the only reason it gives us hope is because it's true. Because Jesus is alive right now. After he risen from the dead, he hung around on earth for 40 days, he hung around with his disciples he then appeared to up to 500 people at a time for 40 days and then he ascended up into heaven and Jesus is al- alive right now, ruling and reigning. And because of that, because he's alive, he actually gives us now a fresh crack at life if we believe in him. Now, this is why we have eggs, right? Now, those of you who are thinking about this uh, know that eggs they actually come, there was a new life festival that we've sort of pinched Right, it's a pagan festival that have involved fertility and new life, and eggs are a symbol of that. But they're a great symbol at Easter. And my, uh, my little daughter Hannah's up there. Now, Hannah, can you come down? Now, I think she... she, I, I, she didn't, I, I didn't set her up for this, by the way, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. Come down, Hannah. Now, you know that there's an easy way to remember what Easter is all about. And Hannah's going to help us, I think. Come up on stage. Yeah. Can you use this? Now, can you tell me why Why do we have solid eggs on Good Friday? Because Jesus was in the tomb. Because Jesus was in the tomb. And why, why do we have hollow eggs on Easter Sunday? Because Jesus wasn't in the tomb. Because he wasn't in the tomb, right? That's exactly right. You're beautiful. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah? Now... Could someone, now the thing is, I want to explain, that sounds extraordinarily simple, but I'll tell you why it's extraordinary. And I want you to come and, this is a hollow egg, right? Now, who, who can come and break this for me? Someone come and break this. Who'd like to break it? Ryan, do you want to break it? Come on. We're all going to eat this afterwards, okay? Give it, give it a go. Oh, this is getting really badly. This getting badly. Oh, <laughs> someone's, eating the, wine someone's eating the bit on the floor. Now, I, can I tell you why this is so significant, right? The fact that this is hollow points to the fact that Jesus' tomb was empty. Let me tell you why that's so important. There's two reasons. It gives us a fresh crack at forgiveness. Look at this verse up here. It says this. The Apostle Paul said this, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. If Jesus is dead today, we are wasting our time. You are still in your sins and you are not forgiven. But you know the opposite to that verse is also true? Because all of us, when it comes to being sinful, we'd love to have a fresh crack at life. Isn't that true? Who here would actually like to have a fresh crack at last week? The things you said, the things you did, the people you hurt. Who'd like to have a fresh crack at your whole life, the way you've treated God, the God who loves you and made you? Lots of us would like to have a fresh crack at that. The thing is we, we all need forgiveness for the way that we treat each other and the, and the way that we've treated God. We all need our sins to be forgiven. And that's exactly what Good Friday was about. When Jesus died on a cross, he didn't do it because he needed to die. He was innocent. We were guilty. Jesus died for our sins. But how do we know that that worked? How do we know that God was pleased with that? How do we know that all of my sin from yesterday and today and the rest of my life and all of yours, how do we we know that it was all dealt with? Because the tomb's empty. Because Jesus came up out of the grave. He paid for it all. And if you trust him, you can have life in his name because the tomb is empty. i tell you another way that we have a fresh crack at life. Do you know that Christians believe? Do you know what we believe? That because Jesus rose bodily out of the grave, that one day when we be, we're a part of his new creation, we're going to have a physical new body restored just like his. And I love this quote from, um, from Johnny Erickson Tata. Let me tell you, tell you about her. Do you know that Johnny was um, paralysed when she was 17 years old um, from a diving accident? And she writes this about what she believes because Jesus is risen from the dead, about what's going to happen to her. She says, "'I with shriveled and bent fingers, "'atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, And no feeling from the shoulders down will one day have a new body, light, bright and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this this gives someone with spinal cord injuries like mine? I wonder if she was sharing that with that little girl. But the only reason why there's hope for Johnny and what will happen to her beyond the grave and all of us is because it's true. Because he came out of the grave 2,000 years ago. And then this next quote is a time when she got really upset, Johnny, because she couldn't get down on her knees and pray at a Christian convention and so she had to sit in her chair, as she always did, of course. And then she wrote this. As people prayed sitting there, I was reminded that in heaven I'll be free to jump up and dance and kick And do aerobics. And although I'm sure Jesus will be delighted to watch me rise on tiptoe, there's something I plan to do that may please him more. If possible, somewhere, sometime before the party gets going, sometime before the guests are called to the banquet table at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. I will quietly kneel at the feet of Jesus. Johnny will get her legs back and what she wants to do is to use them to kneel before her risen saviour. Now, that's either a nice quote or one of the most profound things you've heard for a long time. The only reason that's true and not just nice is because Jesus actually did come out of the grave 2,000 years ago but can I say and I'll finish with this it's okay to doubt that but can I say doubt your doubts if you've got them doubt them check out the evidence the eyewitness evidence that's found in the Bible find a Christian and read the Bible with them check it out because the evidence for Jesus resurrection is overwhelming and why that quote is true because if you believe in the one that was risen you can have life in his name too Uh, Why don't I pray? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we look forward to that resurrected life that is coming. Father, we look forward to it as Johnny does and as Thomas now enjoys. Father, we look forward to the day when we will see Jesus in all of his glory, resurrected, physical, just like us. Father, we thank you for that first Easter Sunday when you defeated death. And you defeated sin and you brought us forgiveness by showing us that the work of Jesus on the cross in dying for our sins was finished. Father, we thank you that anyone who believes in Jesus can have life in his name. Father, we thank you that anyone who believes in him can be forgiven, no matter how we've treated you. We thank you, Father, that no matter who believes in you, any one of us can have that same hope that we just heard of Johnny speaking of. Father, please help us to doubt our doubts. Please help us to check out the evidence if we need to so that we might have life in his name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter.